Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of Pro Shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Mark Baker. For more on Mark, check out markbakerbowling.com. Also check out there, you can purchase his book, Game Changer, A Simple System for Improving Your Bowling Scores. Mark, want to thank you for joining us today. Hey, guys. Great to be on. Well, Mark, thought we'd begin. When we were at Bowl Expo, we were, me and you were chatting, and you mentioned to me how a bowler, bowler's goal should be, if you're going to leave a single pin, it should be the four pin versus a ten pin. That stuck with me since, and that's something that I think a lot of bowlers forget. So can you just explain that to everyone here? Well, I just think it's, you know, when, when bowlers, I just think it's a better spot in the pocket. You know, if you, if you leave a four pin, I think it's an easier move. I think bowlers, bowlers tend to move left better than they move right. Most bowlers, if you leave a flat ten, they never want to move right. If they move right on the flat ten, they tend, they tend to throw it slow. So then they go to the nose. If a bowler leaves a four pin, I think it's an easier move left. So I was, I, or, you know, if you're a guy like me who likes to throw hard, I can leave a four pin. I tend to stay in the same place and just throw a little harder. So, and 10 pins seem to have a giant effect on people's, you know, sometimes they don't know the difference between a flat 10 and a ring and 10. They start leaving a couple 10 pins. They start trying to throw the ball different, not to leave the 10 pin. People don't throw it different when they leave a four pin. They just tend to move. They leave two or three 10 pins in a game, and they start in, it's the wrong ball. I'm not throwing it good. I got to do something different. And they might just have a couple bad breaks, and they're throwing the ball really good. They leave 10 pins, they start messing their game up. They leave four pins, they tend to make a move, and they bowl pretty good. So that's kind of how I see it. Uh, Mark, Joe Serrar here. I'd like to welcome you as, as well to our show. Thanks, uh, Joe. You and I both know, and in fact, Tim does as well, and many of our listeners, whenever we get tapped, we deserve what we get. But don't you think there's a myriad or more reasons why we would possibly leave a 10-pin than a 4-pin. 4-pin, to me, is generally I was just either a little soft, a little too much hand, a little too much angle in the pocket, so obviously a little tweak left, and, and I'm home free. But a 10-pin, like you say, there's half 10s, there's there's soft 10s, there's blower 10s. There's so many factors that come into play. And now you see why I prefer leaving 4-pins. <laughs> I, I agree. Exactly I agree right. totally. But sometimes uh, we don't, have, well, I we don't, don't. have a choice sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, but I never, you know, the better you get, the more 10 pins you're going to leave. That's exactly. kind of how I look at it. Always. I mean, nobody's left, nobody's left more 10 pins than Walter A. Williams. He's, he has to have left more 10 pins than anybody in the history of the game of bowling. Now, he's made 98% of them, which is a pretty good thing. So, but Walter hits the pocket more than anybody else last quarter century, and he leaves right. the most 10 pins. And he leaves a ton of flat 10s. But, but Walter's always up there in the strike percentage. I would think he expects 10 pins and realizes oh, it's part man. of his game, and that's it. No, you, have, you Walter acts like he's supposed to strike on every ball. 
That's the, that's the beauty of Walter Ray. He gets mad at every flat 10. He can't believe it. I'm pretty oh, sure that God. the pins didn't get the message that Walter Ray threw the ball. There, yeah. was, there was a disconnect between the pins knowing who was throwing it and what happened. That's how I looked at it. That's Walter has that good of confidence. So, okay, getting back to why you want to leave four pins. Now, there's times I can't control how many 10 pins I'm leaving, and it's it's either poor execution or wrong ball choice or or a carry down that, that's preventing my ball from reading the, the back end strong enough. What adjustments should bowlers think of making? Now, that's, that's a loaded question. I don't tend to make too many coaching fixes unless I see the ball. I got to see you throw. I mean, there's such a different way, you know, how do you make a move, do you switch balls, or do you, have, do you change what you're doing? I mean, you're talking about different skill levels. You know, I, it, I was always, I had it pretty easy the last three or four years on bowling. I only own one ball, so I wasn't going to switch balls. So I was, grew up a little bit older, so I was able to change how I threw it, and I was good at changing my speeds, and I wasn't afraid to move. So I didn't, it didn't bother me. A lot of times, when I have my best sets, a couple 10 pins will give me the feedback I need. I expect to leave 10 pins. I've never expected, to, you know, I've never thought about shooting 900 or anything. I expect to leave a few, you know, if I leave less than five 10 pins a night, I'm going to shoot 730 or 740. That's how I looked at it. 10 pins didn't, after, after a while, stop bothering me. It's just part of the game. Well, I know most bowlers don't look at it that way, but well, that's why yeah. I mentioned that earlier. I, I think it's a it's an, a a sad part of the game, but we have to realize it's part of bowling nowadays. Regardless of equipment choices, you're you're going to ring tens. Uh, but that kind of le- leads who, me into who, my how next. come how come with the new bowling balls all of a sudden we're supposed to strike every time? I don't, that part I don't get. That's the part. I mean, I bowled on tour when two hundred five clean was a good game a lot of times. Now all of a sudden you leave three tenpins in a game and you got to go tell the proprietor that things are wrong. <laughs> I think we have a way our expectations are so high because the scores are so high that people's reality isn't that good. I mean, there's well, I, a lot I, of it there, right? And I think I think too many bowlers think the ball is always the answer, and the balls are just different clubs in our bag, and it's it's a matter of getting the proper matchup on the lane and and playing angles properly as well as execution. Now, it, today's game. It's a different game that's being played by today's young players compared to when you and I were in our 20s and 30s. Uh, equipment plays more of a part. Uh, the environment is ever-changing where, again, with rubber and urethanes, it didn't vary that much. Uh, bowlers have so many more requirements, you know, with knowledge about transition and equipment and different releases. It all, and, it all and, talks about what level you're talking. If you're talking about league, I disagree. If you're talking about the tour, I agree. Well, People make way too big a deal about league. It's league. Well, I think most I mean, of our listeners... you got to be able to move around the lane. But the guys on tour, it's definitely harder to be a tour player. I would not want to be on tour now. They have to know all that stuff about, about balls. Well, that's I'll that's tell you, not my thing. I'll tell you, Mark, 99% of our listeners are not tour players or elite caliber players such as, as yourself and, and Chris Barnes and, and, and those. Uh, there are 180 to 220 league bowlers, which we know... Maybe are slightly inflated, but bottom line, that that's what that's what their average is. So I would, if my advice to them was a ten pin or two, I wouldn't be so quick to switch balls. I see more people that I bowl league with switch balls after a ten pin or two. They start tonight flat ten ring it and they switch balls and turn it into one fifty. You know, it's it's you know sometimes you can get some good feedback from a ten pin. You got to move a little bit, throw a little straighter. I mean, it seems to me people try to hook the ball too much. That's the thing I see. They get they want to throw the most aggressive thing they have. They tend to hook it a lot, and their balls burn up. That's the most common thing I see when I, you know, I've always thrown balls. And when I still bowl league, I threw ball through a magic touch that was fairly shiny. And 
you know, I just kept moving around the lane. I mean, I, hey, I threw and you, and you've got to know your game. I mean, a lot of it, you know, off my hand, that, that's about 20 feet down the lane. Yeah, that's a 10 pin. Yeah, that's a 10 pin. Okay, that's on me. That's not a big deal. The next shot, I would throw a little better and strike. So the 10 pins to me are always a lot of feedback. You know, every now and then you throw one really good for a ring and 10. That's, that's, that was, those still irritate you. I don't think I've ever gotten mad at a flat 10 in my life. The flat 10s are on me. I either was lined up wrong or I didn't throw it good. So flat 10s, they're just feedback. Flat 10s are not worth getting mad over. So, Mark, you were just at That's the how I see it. Mark, you were just at the World Series of Bowling. What bowlers out there impressed you? Now, how does this? You know, I don't want to. Yeah, without know, giving I, away I, the TV, big, without giving away the TV finals, obviously, just going up through qualifying and such. Well, obviously, Don Barrett was the MVP of the, of the World Series of Bowling. He bowled, he bowled great, and the lead to lead that good a field by two, three hundred in qualifying was pretty impressive. It didn't seem to matter what the patterns were, and there was a different oil and different, you know, volume of oil. He seemed to be dialed in pretty good. Uh, Thomas Smallwood for the money through some unbelievably great shots. Uh, the kid that probably impressed her was EJ Tackett. He was a couple games away from making a couple shows and he doesn't seem to have a lot of fear. He kind of rips on it pretty good. That was, that was pretty impressive. Uh, you know, the usual guys, you know, Sean bowled good and Jason didn't bowl as well as he probably wanted. You know, Chris had a couple of good events. Tommy bowled. Okay. Well, you know, the usual suspects, you know, that kind of thing. It was, I thought it was pretty good because nobody dominated. So there's a lot of different. There are a lot of different faces on TV. I think the TV shows will be really well receptive. Yeah, I have a question for you about when a, a player comes to you asking for help, and and I'll, I'll let you give us a two part answer: one for an elite player, and one for more of a recreational league bowler. Do they okay. ask you to watch me and fix me, or do they say, "I think something's wrong with my release or my swing or my balance or my timing"? Uh, you get you get a lot of both. You get people with. You know, you get people with a real specific, when they come for a lesson, especially bowlers, they say, hey, I'm really struggling with this part of my game. The tour guys are coming because something's out of whack. Or a lot of times the tour players show up because they're throwing it really, really good and they want to know why. Hey, this is the best I've thrown in six months. What, am I, what, what, what do you see that I'm doing so well? They'll tell me what it feels like and I'll tell them what I see. They're, a lot of times with the tour player, I'm just another set of eyes confirming or sometimes it's like, you know, you think you're throwing it good. I don't think this is as good as you can throw it. That's that. I'm, I, you know, with the tour players, I've got to be pretty harsh. You know, that's got to be, you know, I can't be, I got to quit being their friend for the hour, two, three hour, two hours or three hours of working together. I got to be coldly objective. If you're going to beat rash, if you're going to be Belmo, if you're going to be Chris, you need to throw it better. Your, your lay down's not good or whatever the case you may work on. With the other guys, it's more about, I find with the, with the amateur bowlers, it's more about allaying their fears. They come to me really, bowlers between 180, say 180 and 205, they're brutal on themselves. They really beat themselves up. So I got to say, okay, you're not throwing it as bad as you think. We just got to, you know, you, here's the things you do well, and here's a couple things you don't do as well. Let's focus on the good things and make, make you understand when you miss. It's not the end of the world. We'll get you back in rhythm. A lot of times you can see the tension come out of their shoulders, like, I just want to know why I miss. So a lot of my job is explaining why they miss. But once they understand it, then they tend to bowl a lot better. So is, is it easy to correct their, their – is it a weakness in their game or just a, a glitch that causes them to make errant shots? A little bit of both. I mean, they don't do it for a living, so they don't – you know, practice is a, you know, a lot – out in Southern California anyways, it's kind of a lost art. You don't – there isn't a lot of practice of the high-level guys like it used to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of it's just they don't bowl as much. But a lot of it's, you know, they – Hey, which way do you mean? My first question is, which way do you tend to miss? I mean, for every lesson starts the same way. I want you to warm up and start throwing them. And then when you throw one you really, really like, 
let me know. I want to know what it looks like when you throw your best. That way I can see what it looks like when you don't throw your best. Then I can videotape. I can show you the difference, and I can explain why that one was so good. And I'll explain why the other one wasn't so good. We'll, make, we'll, we'll find out a way to make those, the good ones happen more often. So Mark, I, I keep it pretty simple. So, Mark, you mentioned something about, about the, you know, how you're incredibly harsh on the PBA player, and then you get a guy who's average, say, 180, 190, and you're not quite as harsh on them for that hour and a half. Do you ever get a guy who comes in at that average? Let's say he's averaging 200, and he comes in, and, and you just say, you know what, this guy's, this guy's at his max. I mean, he's never going to be a 230. He's not going to be on tour. He's not going to be a rash, Belmo, anyone. He, sh- he, he might be better served to say, you know what, I'm going to have to be just kind of be content with my 200 and, and go from there. Uh, I, I guess some people can look at it that way, but I'm like, all right, your average is 200. Let's see if we can get you that 200 average without you working quite so hard at it. Let's make your game a little more efficient. You don't have to work at it. If you're not working at it as hard to get the same average, your average will actually go up. I think everybody can improve. That's what I do for a living, so I never, I never take that. No, I just I always want them to. The bottom line is they want to enjoy the game more. So if they can do what they want and do it more efficiently and not work so hard at it, then they'll do better. So, no, I don't ever. I never see anybody ever maxed out. I mean, it's amazing what people can do. So I always expect you know I always expect to have success every lesson. So I expect to get better. And I guess my my numbers are proven. I'm doing something right. So, you know, I I just look at it like, hey, you're paying me to get better. So it's my job. It's my job to make them do something well that lesson. They got to enjoy their time with me, but we got to see some improvement somewhere in their game. So that's on me. Okay, so so I come by you for a lesson, and this is the biggest um, biggest thing that I've had because I've took some lessons with with Mike Jazz. Now I'm still going to get down by you in Southern California. Now that I'm only only about ten hours away, and I say only in quotation marks. But my biggest problem that I seem to feel when I come to a lesson or go to a lesson with any coach is that when I leave that coach. It's very hard for me to, to, like you said, not have that extra set of eyes behind me. So what is something that a guy who, who maybe flies across the country to come out by you, what's something that he can take with him? Or how do you help him take something back with him that he can know that he's improving his game? He's got to learn to read his own ball. That's, we have to learn to understand. You've got to learn to understand your misses. It's a two or three. You're coming from back to East or Midwest. And we're going to spend a half a day together. By the second, third hour, when you miss you need to verbalize back to me why you missed and be able to correct it on the next shot. My job is to make you understand your good and bad shots. So you go, okay, now I know why I leave a two pin after every, you know, I throw two, three in a row and my misses, I always come up out of it and I leave a two pin, I miss it. Why? So the job is to show you on video, explain to you what you're doing, show you what you do right on your, on your good shots, show you where your lay down is, if it's, you know, early or late, explain what your body position looks like on a good shot. Then when you miss, you're going to go, okay, now I know why that ball didn't hook. And now I know why the ball hooked early. My job is to get you to understand your misses. So when you leave, you have a better understanding of you need. The whole job is for you to understand your game better. It's not for me to know it. It's for you to know it. I'm not the one throwing the ball. That's why I tend to adjust everybody. I mean, I don't have a set. There's not a set way of doing it. Everybody that shows up, I kind of teach them a little different. You know, I change yeah. gears pretty much every lesson according to your skill level. And then you got to, you know, a big thing you got to do is you got to have a, you know, I think as a coach in the first 10 minutes, I got to determine your bowling IQ. So I have, a, I have a list of set questions between 5 and 15 questions. I ask to understand where you are at as, you know, just your intelligence in bowling. You've been bowling for 18 months, you've been bowling for 18 years, you're going to give me a different set of answers. So I have to coach you accordingly to what, how you understand the game. Right. So it's, it sounds to me almost like the more an individual knows his game or his tendencies, the easier it'll be to fix 
things when they do go wrong. So you make them aware of things. Yes, exactly. I agree with that 100%. Now, did, did you always have a passion for coaching, or is, is this something that you more or less grew into and fell in love with uh, after your, let's say, your highly competitive days were over? Yeah, it was never, you know, I always liked sports. I was pretty good at sports, and I understood how to, you know, help people get better at basketball. I played a lot of basketball when I played the guys on my own team. And in coaching, just kind of people kept calling me up for lessons, and I didn't coach. I just, well, I don't do that. And then I'd be at the bowling alley, and they, I would just it'd be so obvious to me, like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And these are like guys that bowl league with me. I'm like, just when the lanes are done, turn the lanes on, I'll show you how to fix that. So I did that, and people started taking lessons from me, and it was nothing I ever had. Never had any, you know, just like going on tour. I never had any aspirations to go on tour. Never had any aspirations to be a coach. But people kept coming up. And so then I started doing a little bit. They would take a lesson. They didn't want to schedule one the next week. I'd say, no, nah, call me in a month. I think you know, I had no desire to do it. And then just people started getting better. And they kept giving me money. And I kept doing it better. And then I got into it. And once I got Bowler's Map and I could see it on video and I kind of developed my own system, now it's something I, you know, I really look for. Like tomorrow I have eight lessons at Fountain. I can't wait to go. It's just going to be a good day. I had eight, I had late lessons yesterday. You know, it's about a typical day, eight lessons, eight in a row. So that's just what I do now, and it's I enjoy it every day. You okay. know, it, it kind of parallels what I do for a living. I've been at a pro shop since 1973 in Milwaukee here, and and I enjoy doing what I do as well because you, you see satisfaction in their eyes, and, and people come to us. You know, it's not like they're coming to the dentist. They're coming to someone they want to see, and they trust us, and they – Respect what we do. Exactly. No, I, I really enjoy what I do. I, I don't have too many bad lessons anymore. I might have every four to five months. I'll have a person I don't, you know, you don't see eye to eye with. Not, not very often. I really look forward to being down there. And you know, if if you're, if I need to be up. I you know charge a hundred an hour, so I charge enough to be worthwhile. So my job is to be up. So I'm pretty much up for every lesson, and it's always, uh, you know, they get that little thing in there where you know, all of a sudden you get that knuckle bump or the high five or that. They turn around, they give you that look in their eye, like, all right, that's what I want to do all the time. You know, that's, I don't bowl anymore. I don't bowl much anymore. So I get to live vicariously through all my bowlers. So I have a blast. I really do enjoy it. Again, Mark Baker joining us. For more on Mark, check out markbakerbowling.com. Mark, I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention The Game Changer, uh, a book you came out with, The Simplest Form to Improving Your Bowling Scores. Great book. Have it right here. Read it, and it's something that it, you go through some great graphics in here, some great illustrations of what bowlers need to do, and, and bowlers also need to come out and visit you out at Fountain Bowl. But Mark, thank you for joining us. I know it's been highly informative, and um, again, all the best of luck with all your all the lessons you have. And, and you know, we were kind of joking before we started here. We said, Mark, should we mention your Baker Barnes clinic you got coming up? You said, no, that's full. Should we mention this in May? No, that's full. So I guess you have the great <laughs> the great, um, the, the great luxury of, of not having, you know, saying no, we're full with everything, which is always a, a, a good thing, and, and means you're doing you're doing your job right. Yeah, things are going well. I mean, we really work at it. I got a great, you know, great staff of coaches, and you know, the Baker Barnes clinics. I mean, I got I got a pretty knowledgeable guy right there. And the one thing about Chris, he's very personal when we're doing our clinics, and Chris is like a savant when it comes to those balls. He's into it. He's into the cores, the cover stocks. He looks in your bag. He comes up with a four or five ball arsenal for you. He's really into it. So it makes my job, you know, I do something completely different. What he does is different than what I do. So we're a good tandem. And the bottom line, Chris and I really enjoy working together. We have a great time. So I'm sure that people see that. So our, our clinics have been selling out pretty well. We, this Saturday night, uh, what, tomorrow, it's 48 hours. 
I fly to Singapore. Chris and I are doing two two day clinics in Singapore, and uh, the gentleman put it together and he had forty spots, and he sold it out in thirty six hours. So we're going to find out how well we do in Singapore. <laughs> so working with Chris is a blast, and my cancer. I got a great group of coaches, so things are going very well. Well, Mark, want to well, thank we you. wish you have a safe trip, and uh, thank you for being on our show. Hey, guys, I always enjoy it. Thanks for calling me.